From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. The choice is between normal, Natalie Cheel, or crazy. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Good morning and welcome to Open Line. Happy Hump Day. It's Wednesday, the 10th of January 2024. And it's not just any ordinary hump day. No, it's not. It is the second birthday of TNT. And you may notice I put on a red T-shirt. I've gone out of the normal black uniform and I thought I'd do something special to commemorate the special day. Um, And I look back on our notes uh, for me and Rick two years ago and I first come on his show uh, on the 28th of January. So another two and a half weeks till my uh, TNT anniversary. But the big one is today with uh, my partner in crime. Rick, were you here on the first day? Uh, I was in spirit. Uh, I was exceptionally sick on the first day and I wasn't able to actually do my first broadcast until the 17th of January, but I was there in spirit. In fact, just for the trivia fans out there, TNT was due to launch on the 3rd of January 2022, but because of uh, a lot of stuff that was going on in the studio and getting everything just perfect, that was put back to the 10th. So it successfully launched on the 10th of January 2022. And I believe, uh, and he'll correct me if I'm wrong, I think Mike Ryan actually launched the station with his show, The Mike Ryan Show. So it was quite an exciting and uh, stressful week launching TNT. But hey, here we are two years later, we're still at it and we're growing, yeah. expanding and getting bigger by the day. And uh, yeah, when we started, we were just uh, talking on radio. And now look at us. You can see our beautiful faces too. Mm. Aren't you? Aren't you lucky? You couldn't so get, lucky. you couldn't ask for anything more. Uh, no. And uh, yeah, I'm in a good mood this morning as well because I've, uh, I've been on a health kick and I've lost uh, the £3.5 I put on already over Christmas. It's gone 17 days sober. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, properly on it, properly motivated. And I put a video up the other day, Rick, I didn't know if you saw it on X, uh, my first uh, proper attempt. Uh, I got my boys to film it on me trying to do a pull up on my pull up bar. And I got so much encouragement. Um, I could lift myself and lift myself a bit, but not enough. So that is my main goal as well for the rest of the year. I will do one pull up. So I'm doing shoulder circuits. Uh, I got my weights. I'm going to achieve it by the end of the year. What are your new year's resolutions, Rick? Are you still off the chocolate? We haven't yeah, had an update. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, a little bit over Christmas, but uh, I've lost the desire, the taste for it. And I think it's habit forming, Natalie. If you can get out of the way of doing something for at least 30 days, and I think it was about three and a half months I was of it, I just lost the desire for it completely. Pull up tip, by the way, instead of trying to pull yourself up, grab a chair get up on that pull-up bar with your arms bent at the elbows yeah. and lower yourself slowly towards the ground. Believe it or not, that's the best way to yeah. develop beginner pull-up strength. And I would say, without a shadow of a doubt, if you train and you keep yourself uh, fit, you'll be able to do more than one by the end of this year. I'm I'm going to go for five. I reckon you'll do at least five full pull-ups oh. by the 31st of December this year. Well, the climbing's helping, the losing weight's helping and the weights. And I've got so much. This is the thing with social media. You know, I'm one to criticize it. But that one post, I must have got like 75 comments, all encouraging, all telling me advice like that. Go buy resistance bands, do this circuit, do that. So, yeah, I've got no excuse now. I've got all this advice, so I've got to get on with it. And, uh, yeah, 
we're, we're going to do it. This is the second year of TNT and a great one for us moving forward mm -hmm. as well. So just a quick break and then we're going to bring Gemma in uh, for our news editorial here at TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning, Gemma. Have we got any New Year's resolutions and how is the year going so far for you? Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a, I do sometimes, I set my intentions for the year, but I don't do it on January the 1st. I think we've discussed this before because actually the new year for me is the spring, uh, around the spring the sign of the zodiac. Uh, it comes in on the spring equinox. It's new beginnings. It's new life. And that's traditionally uh, in more pagan cultures before Christianity came in when um, the new year was celebrated. And it used to be in March that date. And then we had the, the Julian calendar, the Gregorian calendar, and the dates were changed all over the place. So for me, it's the spring. And I have set my intentions. I will be setting my intentions. Uh, fitness and finance are the two things at the top of my list. All the Fs there. I think probably mm -hmm. most people do set those intentions for those things, don't they? You certainly have, Nat. But I'm going to I'm gonna just uh, clear my diary, streamline my life, and concentrate on losing the Christmas weight, which shows no sign of going anywhere. So hats off to you for your three and a half pounds. That's no mean feat. Um, but at my age, it's a lot more <laughs> difficult. Um, but yeah, and, and just to enjoy my life as well. I mean, I enjoy it anyway, but I just think, you get to a certain age and you realize time is running out and time is short. And I made a bucket list at 40. I'm now in my early 50s. And I look back at my bucket list. Have I done any of those things? Have I buggery? So that's that's <laughs> something to aspire to. Live my dreams, pursue my passions. Uh, and and yeah, and on, onwards and upwards with TNT as well. I mean, this is definitely the best job I've ever had. I'm incredibly lucky. So uh, I hope to be here celebrating the third birthday this time next year. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say for anyone that is wanting to lose weight, um, you can eat anything you want. Um, it's about being in a calorie deficit. We said about yesterday, uh, move more, eat less. Uh, but yeah, you can. Uh, there's loads of these apps now. You can literally put your calories in. Just you, If you want a chocolate bar, you can have a chocolate bar. If you want a packet of crisps, you can have it. But you know, you can just, uh, as long as you reduce the calories each day, then, it, then you can do it. So that's my bit of advice uh, for today. Uh, not not, not that I'm exactly the most wise person, but there we go. T take it if you will. Uh, but Gemma, what her story have you got for us this morning? Well, it's a it's a story about Julian Assange. His uh, he's waiting for his appeal uh, to to be decided next month with for his extradition. Um, obviously, he's in Belmarsh Prison for for WikiLeaks, um, and it, he he faces extradition to the US. I mean, obviously, it's 175 years in prison uh, on 17 espionage charges and one charge of computer misuse for telling the truth, effectively. I mean, I thought we'd pick, bring this story to the table because his lawyer has been speaking out in Australia, uh, the Australian government have been lobbying for his release for some time. Anthony Albanese is actually doing something good here and saying he's doing everything he can to just get the charges dropped and, and it can serve no further purpose, him being incarcerated. I mean, if the alleged conspiracy was to obtain and disclose national defence information regard, regarding Iraq and Middle East and sort of war crimes effectively. Um, and this guy is, should be and is in our field applauded for the brave efforts that he has, has done for um, bringing information which we all need to know about to the fore. 
before uh, and risking everything to do it. Now, his lawyer, Jennifer Robinson, she's been speaking to Australian Broadcasting Company uh, over the last well, 12 hours, effectively, um, and saying that he is now so mentally unwell uh, behind bars in Belmarsh that if this appeal fails next month, it is likely he's going to take his own life. Um, he, she said the whole thing has caused him a major depression. He's buying. He's been diagnosed on the autistic autistic spectrum, um, and he's he's his basically his life's in ruins. Should this fail? She thinks, and she says, she says she's not mincing a word. She's not dramatizing. Um, she says his life is at risk. He just cannot take any more. Now, if you think about here at TNT, we're all about free speech. We're all about bringing out the truth. And the society is so completely inverted. And I went yesterday, uh, I think it was yesterday we were talking about Jerry Barton, wasn't it, on, on X Twitter, uh, the former footballer who's, you know, saying what he wants. He's saying what he thinks and there are his opinions. You might not agree, but he's entitled to them. Now, the government here in this country is jumping up and down saying his views are dangerous. He needs to be censored. Uh, you know, that's a huge drama about some quite funny and comedy tweets actually sometimes and yet this man did his utmost best to reveal the the true mechanisms of government uh, and he's been behind bars and he's now so uh, bankrupt by this not um, financially but you know physically and emotionally uh, that he's likely to kill himself and I, I wonder if that's what the authorities you know that's what they want as a kind of warning if you step out of line and if you try and bring the truth out this is the the end result. His lawyer, she said, uh, she said in Australia yesterday. She said, uh, "What will happen is if we if this appeal fails, we will take it to the European Court of Human Rights. But if the, if the High Court decides, it's really it's pretty much game over." So imagine that 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 will be saying as a headline that he has committed suicide, you know, in prison. What a headline that would be. I mean, it might just be the circles that I I'm in, but I've never heard anyone not say free Julian Assange. That that even like people who aren't you know awake or conspiracy theorists or or you know on on the side of journalism, Rick. How, how is it with so many people around the world who are asking to free him that that nobody listens in government and uh, are all still trying to extradite him? Well, the thing is, at the minute, uh, there's been relentless campaigns that have been going on for years now to try and uh, get this guy released. He was, uh, you know, took uh, refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy. He was taken from there, put into Belmarsh prison. He's been in there for years now in horrific conditions and solitary confinement away from his family. His mental health has deteriorated, but there are relentless campaigns. One person in particular, Misty Winston, who's actually a TNT presenter, uh, she has been uh, you know, relentless in her campaigning to raise awareness of Assange organizing rallies. And it has now got to the point where it's not just people talking about it on social media platforms, Hush, hush. As Gemma rightly said, there, uh, Anthony Albanese, who's the uh, Aussie uh, Premier, he is now campaigning for this for the first time. Scott Morrison, who was his predecessor, never really brought the subject up, and Assange is an Australian citizen. So you would have thought during the course of his incarceration that the Australian government at least would have been uh, fighting his case, but they haven't. They were completely silent. And I think it's only recently now uh, that uh, Albanese has become vocal in this one because of the absolute up upswelling of pressure uh, to try and get this guy free. They're torturing him, they're torturing him to death in Belmarsh prison. And if you think, well, they're not beating him and they're not waterboarding him, listen, try spending 23 hours a day on your own in your bathroom at home 
for four years away from your family with screaming madness going on around you in a maximum security prison with autism and tell me how long you would last in that condition anyone out there they're torturing Assange to death and if you've seen any photographs of him recently he looks like a ghoul he looks like death warmed up he's completely and utterly wrecked physically mentally emotionally and spiritually so something has to give here I think I think they will free him uh, I think if they do end up extraditing him it'll be the end of him and he's never even been to America by the way they want to extradite him to America to face charges I don't believe he's ever set foot in American soil in his life before so it's it's a mad case, Natalie. It's just a mad case. Do you, do you think, though, they want him free? I wonder whether they want him to be able to speak freely when he comes out. I, I honestly they, think they want to make an example of him. And, they, and they do. if he dies in prison, that will be the best result for them, which is horrific to say. But if, if they can make an example of him, Gemma then, you know, that means that they're saying to anybody else, this is what happens when, it, when you go against the government. This is what happens when, when you speak out. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I do rather wonder if that is the end result that they are looking for. And then they can draw a line under this and uh, hope that no one else will ever be as brave as he was uh, in bringing, you know, government corruption and crimes, crimes to to light. Um, but, you know, his lawyer, she's an international human rights lawyer and she's not mincing her words. I don't think she is over dramatizing this at all. Um, she said she said herself, I am not um, you know, saying this lightly. He will take his own life. Um, so she's kind of fired a warning shot across the bows, whether or not that is enough to kind of galvanize even more campaigning, because you're quite right, Rick. You know, I've been to a few rallies um, in London, uh, free Assange rallies. I mean, he's the guy's a journalist. I'm a journalist, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I just, it, it just is awful because for all other journalists around the world tirelessly trying to do their job. There are still some, and especially within the movement we find ourselves in here at TNT's second birthday, citizen journalism, uh, the new media, um, people really d digging around and not being constrained by big corporate interests. You know, what is the future for journalism like that if, if Assange ends up, you know, he just, he's only one man. He is a man. He's a human being, you know, despite his bravery, you know, you, people can only take so much, can't they? And I think your analogy about spending 23 hours a day locked in your bathroom is a good one. Any one of us would crack under pressure. Right. Um, so yeah, it doesn't bode well for journalism. If, if this reaches that conclusion, maybe the lobbying by the Australian government uh, to free one of its citizens will work. I don't know. At least they're making the right noises. Um, that's all we can hope for, isn't it? And remember, yeah. if Assange does commit suicide, allegedly, Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide as well, which, of course, he didn't. So uh, if Assange does get reported as being a suicide in prison, I'd say a lot of questions are going to be asked around that as well. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. We just, we just hope uh, for the sake of journalism and uh, free speech and uh, what's right that he does get released as soon as possible. And we, of course, will keep you updated on anything that we hear on today's news talk. So uh, we're going to say goodbye to Gemma now and have a break. And uh, then we've got our guests to come. We've got Richard Willett uh, from Iconic, Christopher Head, a post office victim, and Freddie Poynton, who's going to talk about the new French Prime Minister. Don't go away here at TNT. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? 
right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. And I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. We don't rock, rock. we talk. talk. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, we're coming at you live. This is TNT, our second birthday. Can you, Adam and Eva? It is Wednesday, the 10th of January, 2024. Just a reminder, this is the open line show, which means the last 10 minutes of the show, the lines will be open. Feel free to give us a call with any of your thoughts, opinions, and views on either what you've heard during the show or something that's on your mind that's eating you up and you just want to get it off your chest. So without any further ado, I want to welcome our first guest for today, uh, Rich Willett. He is a journalist and he's also the co-presenter of the WTAF podcast and the presenter of the classified show on Iconic. And you can connect with him uh, at the Iconic website, which is ICKONIC.com. Rich, welcome to TNT. And we're going to talk a little bit about this mad story that seems to be dominating a lot of social media uh, uh, platforms over the last few days, which is the discovery of tunnel systems in New York. I seen a funny uh, message there earlier on today. Somebody had been saying that weeks ago, they said they thought they heard people speaking Yiddish under their floor in New York, and they were called crazy. And they said, no, I'm convinced that there's a Jewish family living under me. I can hear Yiddish, even though he didn't have a basement. And then lo and behold, uh, he's been vindicated over the last few days. It turns out there were people running around under his floor speaking Yiddish. What the hell's going on in New York and Brooklyn? It's amazing, isn't it? We've been looking yeah. into this group at the moment called, um, and thank you for having me, by the way. Um, Habad Lubavitch, they are a messianic, and I think it's fair to say cult, from, um, they hail from, I think it's Poland originally, but now they're in stationed in Brooklyn, which um, has Epstein connections in terms of location, at least. Um, so Habad Lubavitch are a messianic cult um, that believe and look into the Kabbalah, the Talmud, the deep, deep esoteric meanings of these things. Again, the different meanings and different interpretations. This is the Lurianic Kabbalah. So the Lurianic Kabbalah um, right now is the, uh, the the way they look at it, which is deep stuff. And like the Zohar is part of that as well, the Talmud. Um, but yeah, uh, people need to look into that themselves. It's, it's a long story. CJB Books is fantastic for looking in them. I've been working with them a lot and we're going to go write a book about this stuff. But yes, that's what they believe in. And this is the Messianic Age. They call it the world to come. The world to come is basically um, the other side of the rainbow, beyond the rainbow. It's their world to come. We won't be in it. 600,000 points of light will be. That's the reincarnated souls that have been saved. And um, I, I can hazard a guess to think that we won't be 
part of those 600,000. Um, and neither will the Christians who will disappear upstairs in the rapture. Um, they won't be part of it either. They'll be used as much as anyone else. Um, this is what the Middle East is about. This is what Jerusalem's about. This is what the Solomon's Temple, Third Solomon Temple about. And if you've seen the movie Westworld, that's pretty much a, um, a representation of what they want to do. And as mad as, as that sounds, and remember that these people are probably quite mad, they the the main computer in Westworld um, is named after the son of Solomon in mythology. It's Rehoboam. That's the son of Solomon. So they're building the third temple, if you believe there's two temples anyway. Um, and this will be, in my opinion, where they'll house the AI that Elon Musk will connect you to and um, Skylink and the, the brain chip and that. And as mad as that sounds, remember these guys were speaking Yiddish and, and then trying to under <laughs> tunnel under, Shawshank their way into a building underneath someone else's house. So Matt, these are mad people doing mad things with mad beliefs. You know what, Rich, uh, in any other time in history, uh, what you've just said would be deemed to be completely banzai. But because yeah. we live in the most craziest period, I believe, in human history, it's not really a shocking story. Uh, it is, but it isn't, if you can understand what I mean. And I think what a lot of people are trying to do now is trying to make head or tail of why they were digging those tunnels. We saw yesterday, we saw people being pulled out from underground. We saw mattresses being pulled out. We saw children's high chairs. There was a lot of rumors. There was a lot of speculation. They said that it was to connect two buildings in case there was another COVID epidemic potentially, but I don't think anybody's buying that one, are they? No, they they, they shouldn't really buy that one. Um, that's just ridiculous. And also, how do you get away with shanking your way into a building? Surely that's not done overnight. Um, yes, this has deep connections and deep connections to the likes of Epstein, Israel, Mossad and all those types of things. I mean, it Let's just look at like Juliet Bryant is a is a case that I've been looking into. I've spoken to her a lot. She's an Epstein survivor, a very brave lady who's been speaking about this. And one of the things that we um we interviewed her a few times. I've got a new interview coming out later today with her. And this is one of the quotes from her from her first interview. Now again, remember, these people are doing strange things. Look at who Epstein was looking into. He had the Epstein Foundation um six or VI. Um the that was supplying money or giving money to what we would term transhumanists um so this is a quote from her and this is from zorro ranch she was taken to zorro ranch she said i'm going to put it out there right now i woke up on a in a laboratory paralyzed and naked on a table i would like to be lie detected about this these people were doing something else and they don't want anyone to know about it that's what she's said and i completely believe that this goes back to some of the people that woke up in ufology now look where zorro ranch is zorro ranch is only three hours drive and that's drive not private flight or private plane or helicopter um from zorro ranch is dull space and anyone who's done any um information look into dull space or dulcy base that's where um bill schneider said that he went down into they were tunneling down below the base and they saw some gray aliens and had a shoot off with them and but that goes in line with what i'm saying these are underground tunnels and it mm. leads back to what we're talking about with Habad lubovich when they say when the people are looking at the flight logs of epstein there's a distraction it's what's going on underneath the ground and under sea. Look at Ghislaine Maxwell. She had a submarine license. 
Stephen Hawkins wasn't even on the submarine. Not saying he chose to, because he doesn't really have much choice about where he was. He's he pointed, <laughs> but he definitely was on the. There's there's a picture of him on the submarine or in the submarine. Um, the so a little while from that. There's so much information to cover. Let's go back to Zorro Ranch. I'll come back to that. Zorro you, Ranch. You see, you see if we can, Rich. Actually, uh, because um, it's such a deep uh, topic, and there's so many, uh, mm. you know, offshoots to this one here. Uh, Natalie, I'm sure you've seen this one uh, over the last day or two. The cops have been involved. There was a report came out from Newsweek said there were chaotic scenes inside a synagogue on Monday night as a group of students tried to present a secret tunnel from being filled in. Uh, cops were there. They wanted to pour cement into this people were fighting against it uh you know is this something uh, in your opinion uh more sinister or is it one of these things uh that's another distraction because this epstein list as well that's been brought out that's not really anything new that the bill clinton no, was I, john doe 38 people have been talking about that for years upon years so it's one layer after another what's your what's your take on it just as we're i mean i've i've i was going to say with the epstein kind of list i've not even been looking at the mainstream media's reporting of it because i just think it's a distraction that you know they can just keep pulling out the same story this tunnel one for, for me rich it depends whether there, you know do you think there's going to be more tunnels found you know were they keep it using it just to traffic people or are they or there or do you think it's possible there were some underground dungeons somewhere or or what what do you think were you found on your research well there's underground tunnels everywhere involved in this yep. story and i don't think yeah. i think it's a distraction maybe in some sense but there's no way that habad lubovich would put their name out there like this if it wasn't mm. necessary absolutely not they've been around for a very long time they're connected to putin they're connected to netanyahu they're connected to trump through gerald kushner they're connected to millier um they're putting their name out there now um and they also only have a certain amount of time to get this done if if you look at the cabalos 2240 where they need this whole messianic age done by um which sounds like a long while off but it's not when you look at the generations that's a couple of generations um so i believe i don't believe it's a distraction but it might be in terms of a kind of here and no further mm -hmm. you know what yeah. i mean so yeah, I um uh, yeah well, i that i new new york i think david ike wrote one of book one of his books a long time ago that new york is a um is he said it was a, a like a nest for reptilians i mean that's david's take on it but that could be a nest for people that are behaving in a certain way if you believe that but underneath new york is known yeah. for its tunneling yeah. systems so well uh, there's the, far more to this there's, there's far more to this i would assume the, the, I don't know there is yet, though. there is rich and like i said uh it, there's a lot in this and uh we only have, we'll have to go to our news headlines now but no doubt uh there'll be more of these revelations coming out i would say this is just the first of many that at least are being made aware and the public are being made aware of so I want to give you a big thanks that's rich willett journalist you can check him out on iconic and also follow him on social media on the x platform at wt af rich and a big thank you my friend for joining us and packing as much information into the time that we had there as possible uh we will be back after these news headlines with christopher head We're going to be talking about the uk post office scandal so please don't go away plenty more to come here on tnt today's news talk what's happening, what's happening? news flash tnt radio news hey. matt boyland here with a look at your tnt headlines Donald Trump has called for urgent action to be taken to stop Democrats from stealing the upcoming presidential election. Just when we thought we had seen the last of COVID-19, authorities in Australia are once again sounding the alarm. And America's first mission to the moon in more than 50 years has failed. 
after its unmanned spacecraft suffered a fuel leak, making it impossible to carry out a soft landing on the lunar surface. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24-7, 365, we never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk, this is TNT Radio. Welcome back. Uh, and uh, you can call us at the end of the show. Don't forget. Uh, we've got Christopher Head now on the show. He's the UK's youngest postmaster from 2006. He's also a post office scandal victim and a campaigner for justice. I'm sure you've already heard the story, but between 1999 and 2015, more than 700 branch managers were prosecuted and convicted based on information from Horizon. And it was made to look like money was missing. Only 90 have had their case overturned and only 30 have received a settlement. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Christopher. Can you tell us your story? I can't imagine what you've been through. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd actually worked in the business from when I was actually 12 years old, um, delivering newspapers. And I continued in there until I was 18 uh, when the business came up for sale and I went on to, to buy it. So, I mean, it'd been, you know, literally my entire life, really. And, um, you know, from day one, we had um, discrepancies, um, but they were, well, we call them minor now, but, you know, they were 50 pounds here, 100 pounds there, maybe a couple of hundred pounds, even, I think, a little bit of up to a thousand pounds. And uh, that just continued. And we called what we had as a, as a helpline. And they would tell you, you know, have you recounted everything? Have you counted the cash? Have you counted the stock? And we were like, well, you know, we wouldn't call if we, we hadn't done them basic things. And, you know, you couldn't always spend hours and hours on the phone because you had a business to run. We had a news agency, convenience store. Um, so you just kept put, uh, for putting the money in. You think, well, I, you know, it must be me because, you know, they're saying everything's fine. And, you know, we kept doing that. That amount totaled up to about £22,000 over eight and a half years. Um, but when it came into 2014, the Horizon system, which was the kit that uh, we operated with, um, we had a lot of problems. Every single morning, I could not get the system to start. You know, it was showing like a, a purple green screen. It would take five reboots, sometimes 10 reboots, sometimes 12, in order just to get to the logon screen. And we were calling the support desk, the technical desk. And, you know, they were saying, look, it's fine. No, we, we, this happens in some branches, you know, just as, as long as you can work and it's, you know, eventually logs on, it's fine. Then we started to get messages um, telling us that the data was corrupt. It wasn't being sent to the data center. They sent engineers for six months on end, um, replacing routers, ADSL cables, little bits of kit all the time. They eventually called in the, the national phone company called uh, British Telecom. They replaced the cabling in the street in case there was some kind of fault outside uh, for the data being transmitted. And eventually I called up again in between that and somebody said to me, why haven't we replaced the entire Horizon kit itself? And I was like, well, I don't know. You know, I've been communicating with you guys for six months now. So, you know, you, you tell me. And eventually they came to replace that. But because we balanced on a, only on a monthly basis by then, somewhere in between that and the system being replaced, because we don't know the exact date, when I came to balance at the end of that period, 
um, there was a discrepancy of that was over £40,000, which was way beyond what we'd ever had before. And within a number of weeks of trying to rectify that and calling the help desk and doing lots of things that was in suspense, that the amount doubled to over £88,000. I was like, you know, something is seriously wrong here. And um, the auditors came in, uh, they suspended me on the spot, you know, for uh, under that they said of theft and uh, false accounting. Uh And um, they did a criminal investigation for over six months. And then they wrote to me and said, we're dropping everything, we're taking no further action. But they wouldn't say why, you know, they just literally, that was it. And, but then they said, under the terms of your contract, I think this was about seven days later, they wrote to me and said, under the terms of your contract, you have to repay it. We still want our 88,000 pounds back. And if you don't pay that within seven days, we're going to start the civil proceedings against you. And that's the route they went. I said, I don't, I don't have that kind of money lying around, you know I mean? I think it, the letter said, you've got seven days to pay by a debit card. And I was like, well, you know, I, I don't have that. And they started the civil proceedings, um, which went on for a number of months. And that only was put on what they call in the, uh, England a stay, which obviously they put it on hold because um, Alan Bates and the group of the 555 uh, with the Justice of Postmaster Alliance, they had just um, made an application to our high court in, in London to make a group litigation order as a, as, a, as a massive group. And it was just going through the process to see whether the court would grant that application. And there was a negotiation between my lawyers, the, the, applica- the, the applications lawyers and post office. Uh, whether they would, whether it was in the interest of all of us to be going into my individual court case when we were going to have this bigger court case down the line. And post office said, okay, we, we will put that on hold. But what that meant is that the court case didn't actually start until the end of 2018. So it, it didn't go away for me. It was just in the back of my mind on hold thinking, I didn't know what that court case would be. So that court case concluded in the end of 2019. Um, and but I didn't know even going to that court case I was thinking what on earth happens if we lose this court case as a group the, the, the case that post office has on hold they're coming back for me again and we're going to start this again five years later so it was just a it was just a nightmare it was only through the settlement of that I mean uh, we ran out of money eventually which is why we were forced into a, a, a very low uh, settlement we couldn't raise any more money from funders we, we spent over 46 million pounds on uh, private funding and lawyers in order to try and defeat the post office who were using taxpayer money where they spent over 120 million pounds to try and uh, get us out of court. So, so Chris, are you one of the ones, uh, uh, the 90 that had it overturned or have you got a settlement or are you looking still for compensation? Where are you yes. at at the stage? Uh, because I didn't actually get a conviction because obviously I didn't, they didn't yes. go and get to the prosecution stage. I'm not one of the, the 93. Um, but obviously we are the ones that originally took the post office to court at our kind of own expense because obviously we've spent all that money on litigation funders and lawyers. So obviously we got a small amount of uh, payout at the end, which was we, we, we got about 11 million between 555, which, as you can imagine, is not a lot of money when people have lost their homes, their businesses, their, you know, their mar- some marriages have been destroyed. Some people, uh, four people have committed suicide. So it doesn't even come close to the losses. You know, the, the losses are, are huge. And um, I've made an application to the, the now the government ran scheme because some, some of this has been taken out of the post office's hands. Uh, government have paid for us to have uh, proper forensic accounting reports in order to quantify the losses. So government's paid towards those. We've had our own lawyers involved. That government are contributing towards the cost of that. 
And we, I prepared all of that in June 2023, submitted it uh, to, the, uh, to the scheme that they had running. And I got an offer on the 28th of December, just uh, a few weeks ago. And they offered me less than 15% of the claim, the government. So now we're in a new battle. 15%? Less than 15%. So I mean, it's around about 12%. It's insane. So now we have another, so we've proved them in the court that we've defeated them. Post office lost on all grounds. We know that they've done done wrong. Our government are saying to us, or they're saying to the public, which is where we have this kind of friction, I think, that they are putting a PR stunt on it kind of thing, that we are doing all we can and we want to restore our postmasters back to the position that they would have been in had this scandal not happened in the first place. But the reality on the ground is very different because I said I was one of the very first complex cases to go through that scheme or to be in that scheme. And I have the piece of paper at the end of it where the government said, this is what we want to offer you. And it's, I said, well, you know, the, the word that you're coming out with, it's just not true. No, you know, it's, it's an absolute. My, it's crazy because, I mean, it's, I know myself yeah. that I have an uphill battle. You know, to get from 15% or less than 15% to somewhere close to the 100%, it's a, it's a, it's a long way in, in a negotiation. Had they yeah. come and been realistic and said, offered me 50%, at least I could turn around and say, okay, we have, we're halfway there. We have some kind of negotiation to come to some arrangement in, in the middle. But we're not I'm going to even... have to just stop you there, uh, Chris, because we're running out of time and I would love to have carried on speaking to you. It's been absolutely brilliant. Rick, did you want to just uh, finish off before anything you wanted to say to Christopher before we have to go? Yeah, just it's it's good to see that there's more spotlight being put on this at the minute, Chris, and there's hundreds of victims. As you say, people have lost their lives. People have got seriously ill health. Marriages have been ruined. People have went to prison wrongfully. People have been bankrupted because of this. And it's a long, slow process even to get it to this point. But at least the focus is on this now at the minute. And I think it's good to see momentum building up behind the reporting in this. We're certainly trying to uh, shed as much light on this particular issue as possible here at TNT and I uh, just want to say a massive thanks to you today for taking the time on just and briefly even given your side of uh, your 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 story here today because it's important that, important that people's voices are heard on this issue. So that's yeah, uh, yeah. all good now. Important to get as much publicity as possible. And I do think the public are behind you now. So let's keep everything crossed that it carries on going in the right direction. Thank you, Christopher. And we now have to have a break. Uh, for the headlines. No, it's not. It's a break for a commercial break at TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last Friday in Pennsylvania, Joe Biden gave a campaign speech and he wanted to make one thing perfectly clear. Trump won't do what an American president must do. He refuses to denounce political violence. So hear me clearly. I'll say what Donald Trump won't. Political violence is never, ever acceptable in the United States political system. Never, never, never. It has no place in a democracy, none. Of course, Biden's a hypocrite because he himself threatened Donald Trump several times. Press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish you were in high school, I could take him behind the gym. That's what I wish. They asked me, would I like to debate this gentleman? I said, no. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. And Biden's not the only one to make threats and talk about violence. Watch. Donald Trump is a guy who you understand he hurts you. And, you, and my testosterone sometimes 
makes me want to uh, uh, feel like punching him, and uh, which would be bad for this elderly, out of shape man that he is. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. So the moral of the story is, if you're a Democrat, you could talk about violence all you want, and nothing will happen. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March, and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through, and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador, so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my licence, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. The conversation continues with Rick Munn and Natalie Cheel on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, this is Open Line. This is TNT, today's news talk, and we're very happy to be joined here, at least for the first time, on Open Line by the one and only Freddie Ponton. Uh, anyone that's familiar with Patrick Henningsen's show uh, will be familiar with Freddie. He's guesting on there regularly. And actually, the first time I spoke with Freddie was about two years ago at the start of the Canadian truckers' protest. Patrick and I were doing a, a, a live show for the, the, the Sunday Wire in Belfast, and I think you connected in, uh, Freddie, and we were hyper hypothesizing on what was going to happen in Ukraine, and lo and behold, it has all come to pass. So welcome to Freddie Ponton. Freddie is an independent researcher and a journalist based in France. He has a keen interest in European politics, geopolitics, NATO, and international criminal investigations, and you can connect with him on X at LFC News Media. So welcome, Freddie, and France France, France, what a crazy place that has been over the last few years. And I think it's going to get a little bit more banzai with the appointment of this new PM, some young whippersnapper. I think he's 34 years of age. Uh, he's probably got a few skeletons in his closet already. Uh, what can we expect to see from this new PM, this new appointment of Macron's? Well, fantastic, Rick. Good, good to be on the show and good to, to talk to you again. Uh, well, it's it's an interesting time, of course. I think we all surprised of this uh, kind of unexpected appointments of uh, a new prime minister, very young prime minister indeed. And of course, I think himself, Gabriele Tali, is a kind of surprise of this appointment. Uh, he just comes out of five, barely five months as 
education minister uh, in France. He had very little time to point scores, if you will, and to seduce the public. Although I think he, he done a pretty good job. But uh, in the long run, it's going to be very difficult to to draw any analysis or conclusion uh, of uh, his the, his work as a minister of education. So he's a very interesting character. I think we we cannot take away the talents of this young man. He's uh, mm. he's been in the politics now for for quite a, quite a bit some time, uh, starting with the uh, 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 a long time presence uh, uh, in the socialist party, the, the PS in France under the wing of uh, Dominique Strauss-Kahn, the former directors of the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, uh, which unfortunately was arrested uh, just before, before being elected the French president. He got arrested in New York at the Sofitel, if you remember. Uh, so this was a, a someone that uh, I think definitely was spotted at a very young age. Uh, he has all these technocrats profile. He's a great communicator. And I think it was only a matter of time before uh, he, in 2016, he will leave the the Socialist Party to 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 join Emmanuel Macron uh, with the En Marche movement and this uh, uh, absolutely crazy uh, Emmanuel Macron first presidential campaign. So he's there, he's talented, but a lot of question uh, arises, of course. So we, we, we're going to be looking into that now. Freddie, there's a lot being made of his uh, sexuality. Uh, people are reporting about his age, so they're saying he's 34. They're saying he's an openly gay man. Does it really matter, or is there something uh, something going on there that people aren't being made aware of? Because it shouldn't matter if he's gay or straight, if he's black or white, if he's a male or a female. If he's competent and he's doing the job that he's supposed to do, shouldn't really matter about that. But every time I click on a story about this guy, the first thing they talk <laughs> about is his age, which is 34, and the fact that he's a gay man. So uh, there seem to be making more of an issue of those two things rather than his actual credentials uh are, are they purposely shifting the focus onto that maybe to take away from something else do you think well the, the mainstream media has to to claim victory i mean they're, they're definitely pro macron we can see how how much macron has been able to use the main media or, over his uh, uh one and a half mandate so th this is nothing new it's, it's about building basically uh, a, a character trying to present him under a good light and, and of course uh, claiming victory and saying that is the youngest prime minister which is true the fact that his gaze as you said is completely irrelevant has never been an issue in the first place so i think I think the French people are not buying it. You know, it's purely comms, and I think that we we, we got so used to the this uh, this administration using communication tools, you know, a lot of consultancy firm, a lot of publicists behind this. So we know that they're going to try to use any angle to make these guys look strong, older, more experienced. He's gay, the LGBTI obviously is going to issue a lot of message out there trying to tell that, oh my God, you know, it's great to see a, 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 an homosexual reaching the, the top rank of the French administration, like it was ever a problem, you see. So uh, again, we, we're trying that, they're trying to shape the idea and, and the characters and trying to make him look, uh, you know, uh, electable, you know, for the mm -hmm. 27, 2027 uh, presidential election, because let's face it, Rick, I mean, we're talking about someone that has been presented as a favorite of Macron for this uh, 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 2027 presidential election. So it's a bit of a grooming going on. Uh, he have had, you know, as I say, he was a spokesperson for the French government. He went to the budget and then end up, you know, five months at the Minister of Education. So he's lacking a little bit of track record mm -hmm. from a political point of view. He's been there a long time. 
uh, under the wing of Macron. So it's been shaped, it's been modeled to the Macron uh, way of doing business. It's the Macron enterprise, as I call it. And now he's been obviously prepared to carry uh, the Macron's message to uh, the European elections, uh, which are, are going to be taking place uh, in uh, in June this year. So it's going to be very interesting to watch, of course. Uh, Natalie, it's interesting this one as well. We have covered over the last you know, two years, kept an eye on all these so-called global young leaders that have came up through the yeah. WEF. You know, we've looked at Jacinda Dern's rise and fall. Uh, Justin Trudeau's position is very uh, shaky at the moment. Even Macron's position is very shaky. Now we'll have this new wave coming up. This uh, young chap, Gabriel, uh, has been moulded, as Freddie said, into the into the Macron mould. Very, very carefully cultivated image, no doubt. Uh, ticks the right box. Uh, it would be nice. It would be nice to see someone with actual competence in this position yeah. doing some good for the world. But alas, as Freddie has alluded to there, if he's been under Macron's tutelage over the last uh, however many years, I think we're going to get a little mini Macron uh, emerging yeah. or spawning <laughs> over, the, <laughs> over the next. Uh, or am I being pessimistic? Not what do you reckon? Could this be? Well, could he be the guy, or, or are we just uh, fanciful thinking here this morning? Well, I, I, yeah, I was going to say I would have thought that um, if he's already under Macron, you know, soon it, it, will, it will just be another puppet pushing out the same agenda. But I'd be interested to hear on what Freddie thinks in terms of his popularity, because I've, I've basically read it's a bit of a political play uh, from Macron because he's actually quite popular on both sides, you know, kind of like the the like the left and the LGBT community. But also I heard that he was uh, to ban the Muslim dress and state school. So he's popular with conservatives as well. Over the board, apparently, he's quite a popular figure. Is that correct? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's spot on. You know, this is someone that has been very, very good at, at, at scoring points with very little in his hands. And I think he makes the, the best out of his passage, uh, depending on which ministry or its functions within the government. And I think really, I think what pe people remember him for is this very uh, kind of a quick reaction when he was uh, uh, appointed as the Minister of Education going very quickly after the abaya, which is this veil the Muslim women are, are wearing, uh, on the basis that French is a, a, is a very, very much into laicity and defending, obviously, that which appealed to the conservative and to the Republicans, which means that he's going to score and it's going to get popular there, even in the in the national rally as well. He's going to score a couple of points there. And I think the overall target audience for this, uh, uh, you know, this upcoming uh, presidential election in 27 will be the, the labor, will be the uh, the. the what we call the middle class here in France, you know, not the upper middle class, but the middle class, because I think Macron has completely disconnected itself from the people living outside of Paris, if you will. So to, to reconnect, it's going to be very difficult for Macron to do that. And I think that's probably uh, one of the, the choice and the reason why uh, Gabriel Attal was chosen, because he's young, he's got that ambition, he's got that uh, background, you know, kind of a, a consultancy firm background, technocrats, uh, he's good, but he's also very humble. Uh, he makes himself available, uh, I think, to different unions, very people uh, in different strata of the uh, of the society in France. And I think that people look at him as the perfect, uh, you know, son-in-law, if you will. <laughs> he's got that nice, cute face. But he's, yeah. uh, you know, you can't be mistaken. He's sharp. He's Ted, very Ted Bundy. 
Ted Bundy had a cute face as well, didn't he? Ted <laughs> he Bundy did. was a cutie the women liked. So uh, let's hope let's hope he's not a little uh, cut from Ted Bundy mold as well as the Emmanuel Macron mode. You know, um, uh, we're just having it. We'll have to laugh, Freddie, because if we don't laugh, we're going to cry. Let's be honest about it. And just as you both are talking there, all I'm thinking is, you know, if you're in the dating game, if you're single, you have to make yourself look presentable. You have to spray yourself with perfume or deodorant. You have to shave and keep yourself clean. You have to be polite. But once you get that date and once you get that person yeah. snagged, then the real you starts to come out. And what I'm thinking is with this chap, honeymoon he looks so squeaky clear. Oh, yeah, the honeymoon stage. We're in the honeymoon stage with this guy. The yeah. same way this time last year, or just over a year ago, we were in the honeymoon stage with the like of Georgia Maloney, who burst onto the uh, the world uh, political platform, promising to restore the family unit, shut the borders, do A, B, C, D, and delivered absolutely nothing. So probably, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic, here like just about every other politician that's ever lived they will promise yeah. you the earth and deliver hell hell on earth so <laughs> let's hope uh we're wrong about this all three of us here but uh freddie massive thanks to you we're up to time in this one huge thanks, thanks to you oh, it was absolutely great it was a blast hey, no worries anytime Thank you so much. That's Mr. Freddy Ponton. And you can connect with him on the X platform, like I said, at LFC. Let me double check. I've got this right. Yes, LFC News Media. So uh, the lines are open. If you want to call in, please knock yourselves out. Knock yourselves clean out. <laughs> lift the phone and give us a shout. But you're going to have to make it quick because we're going to be off air in about four minutes' time. Natalie, what a show it's been. Uh, the pace Ooh. never lets up, does it? Woo. No, I bet got a chance to look at the online chat so i will i will make sure i reply uh when we get when i get off the show uh but it's important as well we've got a big uh story coming out of ecuador uh mm. gunmen storm the ecuador television live on air a group of armed men have broken into a live television studio in ecuador and threatened staff so uh yeah what's going on there rick well, Ecuador is another volatile place down there in Central America, and we're getting more and more stories about uh, people just revolutionizing, storming TV studios, storming government buildings. It seems to be Ecuador is the next on the playbook here. And of course, with all these countries, most of the attention, Natalie, with, with what we cover and what the mainstream cover and what we try and break the mold off is not to be just centered in on Europe, not to just be centered in on what's happening in the Middle East, because there's a whole world out there of madness that's happening at the minute. You know, we try and cover Africa. Uh, I have a guy, uh, Nick Corbishley, who comes on Locked and Loaded a lot. He specializes in Central uh, America and, and Latin America as well. So Ecuador, yeah, could be in the throes of another revolution here. And it's getting violent. And I think this is going to be the year we're seeing more, sadly, more and more violent uprisings here. And although we advocate for revolution on TNT and we advocate for overturning the tables of those people that are in charge, we always obviously have to advocate for peaceful mass non-compliance but you can understand tensions are very very high in the world ecuador in particular now it's getting particularly yeah. violent there so i don't think they're going to ease up on that anytime soon there was a yeah a 60-day state of emergency uh began there after uh the it will it spark violence with a within a prison so they got out a got a big gang member and uh yeah after that uh it seems there would be violence everywhere uh the uh I don't know if it's the prime minister there, but he came out and said, you know, we need to bring back peace to Ecuador. Then you saw all videos coming out there saying, well, you declared war on us. We'll declare war on you. Uh, so it's criminal gangs, really, that are, are kind of rising up 
and uh, coming against uh, the police force and the government there in Ecuador. Yeah, everybody seems to be, uh, you know, literally fired up here. You know, the headline reads, Ecuador erupts in a civil war. That means it's going to really encompass every aspect of Ecuador. Uh, the cartel thugs are involved. The president's involved. The army is on the streets. Crazed criminals are running through cities. TV stations have been seized. Universities are being attacked. Jail bosses are being executed after mob bosses escaping. All joking aside, it sounds like the script of the next big uh, Hollywood blockbuster. Quentin you know, Tarantino. Uh, madness and that. Yeah, it could, it could yeah. be. A, it could be a. Uh, couldn't it? It could be a blurb for yeah. a Quentin Tarantino movie. But it's actually happening it's as real. we speak in real time in Ecuador. But probably who's who knows about what's going on? Who's reporting on this? Nobody. Nobody uh, apart from some uh, independent outlets like ourselves. But generally speaking, this will just be brushed over. But it's very significant. Yeah, it is very significant. And it's really important, as Rick said, that we continue to hear news from around the world because you'll see in the mainstream media, they generally will only cover Israel, Palestine at the moment. They will only cover those stories. So we want to bring you the whole truth, not just the narrative itself. Mm, indeed, indeed. And of course, if, if we don't say it again, if we can't say it enough, happy birthday uh, to TNT happy today. Birthday, I'm, TNT. I'm feeling pretty no singing. Damn proud. We're proud. Yep. We've got two years yep. through this and it's been a tough two years, but we're still going and we're still going strong. And of course, nice to have you on board properly in 2023 as well here. And long may it continue into 2024. Natalie F. Yep. Absolutely. Long live TNT. Uh, this has been Open Line and I'm Natalie Chill, but carry on listening to Rick at Locked and Loaded in the next hour and I will be back tomorrow. Bye-bye.